0: Notre Dame football coverage continues now. Now Leonard, down
1: the sideline,
0: Leonard's got great wheels, driving Leonard inside the 20. On Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Leonard has to scramble, and on that ankle just grits his teeth, look at this run. Leonard gets the pass off, he's got Calhoun, wow, no way. From Sports Radio 960 AM, WSPT. Side run for Leonard, and. He's able to break a tackle got the first down and more. Leonard inside the 20, stiff arms and a fender inside the 5 and into the end zone. It's a touchdown.
1: Leonard keeps this time. It's like he has butter on his jersey.
0: 5.35 at WSBT. Sportsbeat continues on this Monday evening. Before we talk to Tyler Horka, his colleague Mike Singer, the Notre Dame football recruiting insider at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Three minutes ago, posted a story that the Irish have another 2025 commitment, this time safety. Ethan Long. He is verbally committed to the fighting Irish over Ohio State, Michigan, and others. So Notre Dame is going toe-to-toe with all the heavy hitters in college football. And the last couple of days, Christopher Burgess picked the Irish over Ohio State, Alabama, and Michigan. And now Ethan Long verbally commits. To the fighting hours so Tyler the momentum of Marcus Freeman's recruiting continues I mean he put together a really good recruiting staff and it has really shown over the last couple of years
1: yeah absolutely and just to the point of nabbing Ethan Long he's one of the guys that I've actually seen in person he came to one of those or maybe even two of the camps that Notre Dame had last summer and that's, that's Generally, when I'll dip my toes into the recruiting pool the most, Mike Singer, Kyle Kelly, do most of the heavy lifting for us at Blue and on that front. But I do get to get out to go to those camps, especially when they're in such close proximity to where I live, obviously, in South Bend. Ethan Long is, is a standout. He was one of the guys at those camps that you look at and you say, okay, all the big fish, the blue buds in college football, they're going to be going for him. So when you say that he commits over Ohio State and Michigan, I'm not surprised. And quite frankly, to your point, I'm not surprised that Notre Dame was able to snag him because, like you said, Notre Dame is landing players who are choosing between those types of schools uh, pretty regularly now, and that's definitely a a testament to what Marcus Freeman has done and is doing.
0: Since we're talking about a safety committing to the fighting Irish, let's look ahead to the fall of 2024. Xavier Watts returning after his Nagurski award-winning season to man one of the safety spots. What is your evaluation of the safety position going into 2024? And I know they've tried to bring in the young man from Northwestern to be possibly a safety on this football team. We'll see how that pans out. But where do you think the Irish are right now at the safety position?
1: Well, where they're at right now is, thank God, Xavier Watts (laughs) chose to shun the NFL for one more year and come back to Notre Dame because without him. Notre Dame wouldn't have an upperclassman safety, true safety on this roster. And obviously you can move some guys around and maybe some of the younger guys, like I am looking at a Don Shuler, maybe He might be thrust into a bigger role this year, but safety kind of like linebacker was one of those positions for Notre Dame in the last couple of seasons where they put all of their chips into a couple players. Like last season it was Brandon Joseph and uh, DJ Brown, Xavier Watts got a little bit, of the pie this year it was all xavier watts and really all dj brown as well so i, I, I compared to the linebackers because the last couple of seasons all you had was jd and all you had was maris legal foul and then you sprinkled jack kaiser in there there wasn't a whole lot beyond that i mean Jalen sneed a, a little bit uh for the safeties though it's going to be all xavier watts you have to hope that he stays healthy and he can play pretty much every single snap for you this upcoming season and then it's going to kind of be trial by error with some of these younger guys. I mentioned Adon Schuler; He's definitely one to look at. Uh, ben Minnick gets a lot of shine, and I think he was even in on a lot of special teams this year. I look at some of those guys who have played special teams, and you look at the Sun Bowl as well. Adon Schuler was the guy they were trying to save his redshirt, and they ended up doing that. But in the bowl game, you can play him as much as you want, and it doesn't matter as long as he's played four or less games. He's still showing up a lot in that Sun Bowl on special teams, and that's kind of the this, this sign that you look for to say, OK, they think he belongs and, and deserves to be on the football field. That's probably going to translate to defensive snaps in 2024. So but it's definitely Xavier Watts and everybody else at that position. And that gives me a little bit of cause for concern.
0: I know we have talked about this next subject on game day sports beat. But for our weekday sports beat listenership, let me just allow you the opportunity to give your thoughts on what happened around the holidays with Jared Parker, getting the Troy head football coaching job, which opened up the offensive coordinator spot at Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman called up an old friend and Mike Denbrock and got him to come back to South Bend for a third time. How do you evaluate that transaction?
1: A win-win. I mean, it's a win for Jared Parker. He gets to go be a head coach and I'm not sure if that's what he was expecting or that, that's what he was wanting. Like, put it this way. If he was the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame for one more season, I think he would have been completely fine with that, totally happy. He yep. said, okay, let's give it another go. But all of a sudden, you know, Troy is Troy, and it's a lesser program, obviously, a smaller program, but he to still go be, go be a head coach. And typically when you do a good job at a school like that, you get to move up, and, and maybe he will be a Power 5 coach someday. But what Marcus Freeman gets... Is a 60-year-old offensive coordinator who's been there, done that. Not only at Notre Dame, but he just led the number one offense in the country at LSU. He turned Jaden Daniels, and I get it, Jaden Daniels had a lot to do with that himself, but into a Heisman Trophy winner. I wrote a few stories at BlueAndGold.com. Jaden Daniels didn't look at like a Heisman Trophy winner at Arizona State, like at all. He was one of those guys, like a like a Dorian Thompson Robinson almost, where like okay, this guy's got a lot of skill. He'll probably make it to the NFL, but there's a ceiling there. All of a sudden, Jamie Daniels in this offense that Denbrock was overseeing was just a completely different guy. And and I give a lot of that credit to Denbrock and just making things easier for an entire offensive unit. So he knows what he's doing. He's a a player's guy. He's a a coach's guy. I think Marcus Freeman, what he said in El Paso to us um, the day before the Sun Bowl, just saying, no, I've seen him on the practice field, and I've seen him in the locker room just interacting with people. He knows how to do that. He's a leader. He just got Darren, when it comes down to it, he's got so much more experience than Jared Parker had. And for a guy that's going to be a third-year head coach and Marcus Freeman who hasn't even turned 40 years old yet, to be able to have now Al Golden, and we've seen what he's done for the Notre Dame defense as a guy with so much experience in, in the NFL and, and as a head coach at college, Den Brock is kind of the equivalent of that for the offensive side of the ball. and For Marcus Freeman to be able to focus more on what he has to do to be a head coach and have complete confidence that both sides of the ball are taken care of, I think that is of the utmost importance.
0: And that kind of leads into my next question. As we talk to Tyler Horka, the Notre Dame football beat reporter, blue and gold illustrated, check out his work at blue and Now, The NFL head coaching firing season just began today. Not a whole lot has happened so far, but the expectation is there's going to be a few job openings, which means that some new head coaches are going to get jobs and they're going to be looking for assistant coaches. So we're not out of the woods yet with Al Golden, unless he just doesn't want to go to the NFL, then case shut. So let's just play the hypothetical. Golden stays, and in a presidential era, I've said, you now have a ticket of Golden Denbrock. That's your ticket for the Irish to get to the playoff in 2024. Just putting those two individuals together as coordinators, Tyler, it's hard to find many teams across the country that have as much experience and success at their jobs that the Irish have in 2024.
1: Totally agree. And that's partly because everywhere has become a rotating door. It's just, When you get to this time of year, there are opportunities that open. Like you said, in the NFL, Garrett Parker just took one in college. And and people don't stay places for very long. I mean, look at Denbrock. I thought he had everything that he'd ever needed. LSU is a place that wins lots of national championships. The last three coaches before Brian Kelly won a national championship there. I mentioned Brian Kelly because Denbrock is a very good friend of Kelly's. They go all the way back to Grand Valley State in the eighties and you know what Denbrock says I want to take this other opportunity at Notre Dame I'm a Midwest guy I want to go back up there And, and that's a good opportunity for me so he's just one example of guys moving around a lot so for Notre Dame to get that guy in the cycle because yeah guys move around a lot but we know at Notre Dame you don't always get your top choice it just happened last year at this exact time Notre Dame had a couple of guys that it wanted didn't get them had to promote Parker It got its guy this time. And if it can keep Al Golden, like you said, not out of the woods yet. At this time last year, Tommy Reese was still Notre Dame's offensive coordinator. We're were about a month away, three weeks away from that domino falling and then everything else going the way that it did. But if by the time spring ball starts in mid to late March, Al Golden is still Notre Dame's defensive coordinator, I think it will have survived the coaching carousel in the best way possible just because I was what I was saying in my last answer that you have a guy in his mid fifties and now golden, who could go anywhere in football. Like a lot of NFL teams would take him on their staff. There's some college teams that would take him as a head coach. Pretty much every college team in the country would take him as the defensive coordinator, but for him to be at Notre Dame still and for Notre Dame to get the leader of the number one offense in the country this past season, I totally agree with you. That is, one of the best combinations of OCDC in the country.
0: You are down at the Sun Bowl in El Paso covering the Irish and Oregon State for Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com. Watching Steve Angeli start a game at quarterback for the Fighting Irish, did it change the way you think about him and how the Irish could use him down the line or maybe some other institution might have his services down the line depending on what Steve wants to do?
1: I wouldn't say changed, more so reaffirmed. Okay. Um, I think that you know that I'm pretty high on Steve Angeli, and maybe Mike Singer has rubbed off on me a little <laughs> bit. But look, I, I go to all these practices too, and I, I've seen more of Steve Angeli throwing the football in the last two years than Mike Singer has. I know if you would have flipped that and gone from high school to college, Mike Singer saw a lot more of Steve Angeli than I did at that time. But I've seen a lot of him the last two years, and I knew that he had a little bit of something. And in the garbage time opportunities that he got, I thought he showed that. I was like, okay, nobody's ever going to take this you know, for 100% worth because it is in garbage time, and this is mop-up duty. So I was excited to see him get to start a game, and he, he, he about played as well as he could have. Uh, you will take 15 of 19 for 232, three touchdowns, uh, no interceptions. I wrote at blueandgold.com, 81 quarterbacks going into the national championship game tonight were given a quarter rating during bowl season across 42 games, and only four of them had a better QBR than Steve Angeli. Mm. And that's really good company. Uh, I forget some of the names, but I think Michael Penix in that game in which he beat my alma mater and was just flat out outstanding. Yeah. The reason that Washington is playing for a title tonight, he was one of those guys. So that's the kind of company that Steve Angeli is sharing. And look, I say all that, but the sample size is still incredibly small, and the circumstances surrounding that Sun Bowl were incredibly weird and awkward, and it wasn't really a true football game, but he still had to go out there and complete passes to somebody, and somebody had to block for him, and he had to hand the ball off to somebody, and he pretty much did all of those things the way that you would have liked him to, so yeah, I do think he's going to start games at the college level, whether that be at Notre Dame one day or, or somewhere else, but He's got the arm, he's got the size, and I think he's got the smarts. He plays a really smart brand of football, and that could be used somewhere for sure.
0: Didn't you cover Will Rogers at Mississippi State? I did. Yeah. It's very strange. Our good friend Mike Varell, who used to be at the South Bend Tribune, now at the Seattle Times covering Washington, he's got a picture of Rogers sitting on the bench at the national championship game. It's just (laughs) so strange. You transfer, and – you get to go to the national championship game and, and watch your new team play. I, I just saw that picture a second ago, and I'm like, yeah. yeah, you you covered Will Rogers back in the day, and there he is sitting on the bench getting ready for tonight's hey. national title game.
1: I'm glad that he's there and gets a front-row seat and <laughs> obviously maybe a chance to uh, play for a really good Washington program because he's a great kid. He has a great family and good. did a lot of really good things at Mississippi State amid some – Talk about the Sun Bowl being very weird and awkward circumstances. How about playing for one of the most legendary head coaches in college football history and to be his quarterback at the time of that coach's passing? I mean, it was was a crazy thing that he went through at Mississippi State, and I hope he finishes his college career the right way because he's a good kid and he deserves it. We're
0: going to get to two more topics really quick with Tyler Horka from Blue and Gold Illustrated. You mentioned your alma mater, Texas, lost to Washington in a national semifinal. When I talked to Eric Hansen last week, he referenced the fact that Michigan, the best offense statistically they have faced this year is UNLV. And I'm just wondering, after watching Washington, that offensive line, the Joe Moore Award winner, do a pretty good job against that vaunted Texas front, does that give you Mm -hmm. hope going up against that Michigan pass rush that the Huskies will give Penix enough time to do damage? I, I have not seen chemistry between quarterback and receivers as good as this in quite some time?
1: Yeah, man. It seems like every time Penix went back to throw the ball, and I was watching with a bunch of Texas fans in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and we, we all just kind of knew. It. it was a collective feeling in the room that he's going to do something here and some of those passes that he made, particularly downfield. I mean, it's, it's it's one thing to be accurate. It's another thing to be that accurate throwing the ball that deep down the field, but he can do it, but like you said, The key is having time. Texas has one of the best defensive fronts in the country, but I think Michigan's is probably a little bit better. And if you look at that Rose Bowl, because I think everybody watched that game as well, if you weren't watching college football all day on January 1st, (laughs) I don't know what you were doing, but Michigan really got after Jalen Milrow, and that was a very big part of that ball game early. Milrow started using his legs and running up and around that pressure. It's not really Penix's strength, and that's not – what he's looking to do so I think that's what the ball game does come down to is you give Penix time I think he can dissect a Michigan secondary that is good but obviously I think Michigan's strength on that number one defense in the country by a lot of metrics is the front seven so if Washington's Joe Moore award winning offensive line can offset that a little bit I think it's going to be become a game of can Michigan kind of keep up with Washington and that's where, I th- if you're a betting man, I'd probably take the over because I think what I saw from Texas' running game, the answer to the Michigan question is, yeah, th- they could probably move the ball on Washington. But I think Washington's going to move the ball a little bit as well. So if you like points and you like good college football, you're probably going to get it tonight.
0: And the winner will be?
1: Gosh, Darren, I've been going back and forth for, on this for well, a solid week. I switched um, today to Washington, uh, so. You, you did? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Heart says Washington just because I like Pennix. And, you know, Washington's not exactly a blue blood, and I think that would be cool to see a team like that win the national title. But I think my head still says Michigan. But it's about as 50-50 as it gets in my mind.
0: Finally, the Irish women's basketball team has lost two of their last three games. I know Neil Ivey still is pretty stern, not talking about injuries, so we don't know the status on a couple of players at this point. Any concern right now with this team dropping two out of three?
1: Yeah, my concern is that, and I wrote about it at blueandgold.com's premium art- article, so subscribe if you want to read that, but I'll give you a little synopsis here. It's more than the injuries, and I get it, Olivia Miles is a top 10 to 20 player in college basketball, probably top 10, like Hannah Dalgo has played so well that we forget how good Olivia Miles is, but... Um, it's more than that to me. And we saw it with Sonia Citrone coming back, and she gives you 18 points in her first play back. But to me, the, the problem was in the paint. Notre Dame was outscored in the paint. Notre Dame was outrebounded. Kylie Watson, the starting center for Notre Dame, played 35 minutes in the game and only scored one point. And that just can't happen. I go back to the season opener against South Carolina when South Carolina won by 29 points and made it look really easy. Their starting center had 20 points, 14 rebounds. And in that game, I think Kylie Watson had two points and four rebounds. So pretty much every single time Notre Dame's tipping it off, there's a disparity down low, and teams are able to take advantage of that. And then you add on the injuries. I get it. You add Olivia Miles back. If Maddie Westbelt comes back from this concussion, concussion, which obviously she will, it's just a matter of, you know, how long, how many more games that's going to be. You get Notre Dame at full strength, they could probably contend for an Elite Eight um, and, and find themselves in the game playing for a birthday to the final four at the end of the year but when you get to that point in the season you're going to be playing some teams that have some really dominant and good post play and Notre Dame just doesn't have that so I ended the uh article that I was alluding to there with just be happy that Notre Dame has Kate Laval coming in who is a top five not only a top five player at her position I think she might be the number one post in the country but she's a top five player in the class of 2024 so that missing link has been the post player for Notre Dame for a couple of years now. If these guards can just stay healthy and you have Olivia Miles next year, you have Sonia Citrone, you have a Hannah Hedano, and you add Kate Cobal into all that, it's looking like, unfortunately, if you thought that this was going to be the year for Notre Dame, probably not, but if you're looking at 24, 25, I think that's the year that maybe this team, and then beyond obviously as well, can really start getting back to kind of who they were in the Muppet McGraw heyday.
0: What's happening right now at Blue and Gold Illustrated, blueandgold.com?
1: Yeah, obviously we have started this conversation out with the Ethan Long commitment, and I propped up my guys Mike Singer and Kyle Kelly for all they do in recruiting coverage. They have a ton of content there, some of it free, some of it behind that paywall, so highly suggest signing up for blueandgold.com because through the off season, we're going to take you guys through the ins and outs of what the 2024 Notre Dame football season might look like, and I guess there's no, no better time than now to tease that with Riley Leonard coming in and I know the uh, the opening montage to this conversation was all those Riley Leonard highlights and whatnot. I'm going to be watching a ton of those. Jack is going to be watching a ton of those. We're going to do exactly what we did with Sam Hartman last off season and watching every single one of his games, breaking them down with some video, with some analysis at blueandgold.com. We're going to do that with Riley Leonard for the last two seasons. So we're going to look at the 2022 campaign and then 2023. I think that's 21 starts worth of Riley Leonard that you're going to get at blueandgold.com. So subscription, definitely worth it.
0: Good to hear your voice once again, Tyler. And we will talk to you again next Monday as we keep the Notre Dame football conversation going, because before we know it, spring practice will be rolling around these parts. So enjoy the game tonight, first and foremost.
1: Yeah, absolutely. One more uh, college football game left in this season. It always flies by so fast, but like you said, It'll be spring ball before we know it. And then uh, we'll be talking about Notre Dame Tech today and M before we know it as well.
0: And we'll be talking about what Notre Dame's going to be seated in next year's 12 team playoff.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think they can do it. Yeah. They yep. can do it. A lot, a lot of conversation to be had on that throughout the next eight months, though.
0: Tyler, we'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, sir. Thank you, sir. That's Tyler Horka. Read his work at blueandgold.com, the Notre Dame Football Beat Reporter. At Blue and Gold Illustrated, we'll talk Notre Dame football recruiting with his colleague, Mike Singer, on tomorrow's program. And again, right at the start of our conversation, we got the word that Ethan Long, 2025 safety, has picked Notre Dame over Michigan, Ohio State, and others. Another great day for Marcus Freeman and the Fighting Irish on the recruiting trail. It is 5.57 on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Looking to take your business career to the next
1: level? Bethel University in Mishawaka, Indiana has you covered. Our MBA and MA in organizational leadership programs are tailored to working professionals, providing the flexibility to choose between online or on-campus options. You can now gain the skills and knowledge you need to become a successful leader on your own terms. Join the Bethel University community and position yourself for success. Visit betheluniversity.edu slash solidground to request more information and apply today.